At this time, I'd like to invite the children to come on up. We're going to have you sit um, right up here on the steps, I think, today. How's that sound? Does that sound good? Any adults want to join them? You're going to come on up. You're all right. Come on. Can't joke about it and then not do it. Merry Christmas, everybody. I am going to tell you a Christmas story. Is that okay if I do that? I hope so, because that's all I got. Um, this is a story that, that um, takes place in a place that is kind of cold. Have you guys been in the snow before? Yeah. yeah, have you? You haven't yet? Well, it's kind of cold. And so you have to picture being a little bit cold if you can, okay? So snow is part of the story, but it's not the whole story. And I stole this from Paul Harvey. It's just so you know. <clears throat> now, the man who I am going to introduce you to was not a Scrooge. Do you know what a Scrooge is? Somebody who's not very happy about Christmas. When they say Christmas, they go, I don't like Christmas. But this guy was not a Scrooge. He was a kind and decent and mostly good man. He was generous to his family. He was upright in his dealings with other men, but he just didn't believe all the Christmas stuff about Jesus. It didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend like it did. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite. Do you know what a hypocrite is? It's somebody who thinks, who says one thing and then does another thing. It's, a, it's an old word that used to be like, I would wear a mask and I would say, see who I am? But then there's somebody else underneath. And he said, I would feel like that if I went to church. So I can't do that. That he'd much rather just stay at home but he would wait up for them as they went to church. And so he stayed, and they went to the midnight service. Some churches have worship services at midnight. It's really late. And he decided to stay up. Yeah, did you have something? We did at our old church. Yeah? Did you stay up for that? One time. One time, yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Shortly after the family drove away in the car, Snow began to fall, and it was kind of cold. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier and went back to his fireside chair and began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound. Do you know what the sound of a thud is? Yeah, kind of a bump. Yeah, kind of like, maybe a, kind of like this. Can you try that on your leg once? Just. Yeah, so there was a thudding sound. He was reading his paper, and he was like, what was that? So then another happened, and another thud, sort of a thud or a thump. And at first, he thought somebody must be throwing snowballs against his living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds sitting in the snow. They'd been caught in the snowstorm. And in a desperate search for shelter, 
They tried to fly through the window, but the window was closed. So the sound that he heard was the birds bumping into the window. Well, he couldn't just let the poor creatures lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn that he had where his children kept their, their pony. That would provide them a warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it. So quickly he put on his coat and his boots and he trampled through the deep snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on a light. But the birds didn't come in. He figured food would maybe help them. So he hurried back into the house and he grabbed some breadcrumbs. Have you ever fed birds breadcrumbs? They kind of like them. So he got those and he sprinkled them in the snow, making a trail to the yellow lighted wide open barn. But they didn't come. Instead, they sat there. So he tried to catch them. But the birds just ran away. And he tried to shoo them into the barn, like, hurry up and, and get in the barn where it's warm and it's safe, and you can be good. Instead, they scattered in every direction, every place except the warm barn, and to safety. It would be kind of hard to get a bunch of birds in a barn, don't you think? Yeah? So if you tried to feed them, and you tried to shoo them, how would you solve that problem? Yeah, that would work, wouldn't it? But he, he tried to pick them up and they ran away from him. He could do Cheerios. So, so maybe instead of breadcrumbs, he could do Cheerios. That's a good idea. And I know that he tried food, but, it, but the food didn't work. And then he realized that they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I'm a strange and terrifying creature. If only there was some way I could let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Because any move that he made frightened them, and it confused them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. And then he thought, if only I could be a bird. If I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them and speak their language, then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to safe and warm and to be in the barn. But I have to be with them in order for that to happen. And I'd have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. That sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? So then something happened. At that moment, the church bell began to ring. You could hear it ringing through the snow off in the distance. And it rang several times. And the sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells bringing in the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. You know why? Because he realized 
that just like the way he thought that maybe he needed to become a bird to help the birds, that that's what God did in Jesus. And he didn't want to go to the church service because it didn't make sense to him. But then he realized that God became one of us to lead us to safety and to warmth and to peace. And that's what Jesus did for us at Christmas time. And that's why he was so grateful. So I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how much God must love you if he was willing to come to you. And how much he must love you if he was willing to come into the cold, places where it was maybe scary and uncertain, and say, I know you, and I know you're scared, and I know you're confused, and I know you may be lost, but I'm with you, and I'm here for you. So Christmas is this great message about God's love for us and how much God will do for us. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's have a seat, okay? Thank you guys for listening so well, all right? So many of you will likely have heard that story, um, correct? Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's, it's, I think it illustrates really well what it is that God has done for us in Christ. And it's important because um, sometimes we have a hard time figuring out exactly how we talk about the incarnation. We use these theological terms and, and it kind of goes over our head. So he, God became man to show us the way on, on one level, but he, he also did it to defeat things where he were enslaved to, like hell and sin and death. And becoming a bird to lead was important, but as a bird he would show the other birds a way, but, but he couldn't defeat darkness. And he couldn't overcome the cold and confusion and keep them from flying into windows. But what God has done in Jesus is that and so much more because other things have happened. And the story doesn't end with God becoming one of us to show us the way. And when I hear people talk about the gospel as God coming and showing us the way, I think, kind of? Because there's more. It's not just that. There's, there's, there's so much more. And in Galatians chapter 4, um, we heard the reading about what that is. So I'm going to go from Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Uh, Paul is saying, I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave. Though he's the owner of everything, he is under guardians and managers until the date is set by the father. In other words, yes, you're my son, but you're not getting all the benefits of being my son. You just, just wait here. And in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementally, elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time come, had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then an heir through God. 
So God in Christ has taken orphans, Gentiles, and made them family members. Further, He's removed the yoke that made the Jews the heirs, but the law, and not through the law, but through Christ. It's as if a long-lost uncle died and suddenly made you a very rich person. You didn't know it. You didn't deserve it. It just happened. The same way the man desired to help the birds who didn't do anything to deserve his help. Movies are made out of that stuff, right? You're a princess. You just don't know it yet. And then somebody dies and then Disney takes over. Because of Christmas, we are heirs, inheritors of a great truth and promise. We're part of a royal family, not a royal family, but the royal family. And the rest of our lives is spent figuring it out and what it looks like to be a part of that family. We're actually really good at being a part of our own families, right? I mean, you can look back to when you, maybe you first started to follow Jesus Christ. You knew what the rules were. You knew how to play the game. You, you, you understood your family of origin. You understand the rules that you were to follow. And then you come to Christ. And you find out, hmm, maybe I shouldn't cuss. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't do that. There's more rules. Just now we're guilty about not following those rules when maybe we weren't before. And we find out that this family is not the kind of family that insists upon rules. This is the kind of family that says, you are loved. You are loved. And the grace and the mercy that God has for you is never ending. And we have to figure out what it looks like for us to move from one family to another. Because this family we're entrenched in, we know the rules, we know how to do the job, we understand the, et cetera, et cetera. But actually living in this family and by those rules actually got us to where we needed Jesus Christ. Amen? And now we sit in this family and we think, well, what does it mean to be an heir of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And it doesn't mean a bunch of rules. It doesn't mean do this, do that. It just means that some things are befitting an heir. And some things aren't. You would never expect to see the heir of the King of England, the Queen of England, rolling around in mud and behaving as if they don't have a future. Or living in terror of what might be happening in their lives because of who they are. And not just who they are, but who they are in a bigger sense. And sometimes we have trouble understanding what it means to be an heir. So I want you to do something a little uncomfortable for me. This family service. Kids are way better at this than we are as adults. I want you to turn next to one another. Turn, turn to whoever's next to you. And I want you to say, you are a child of God. Okay, now, a little bit more. 
like a little, little, little different, okay? Some of you are like, wait a minute, I didn't bargain for this, so I'm saying <laughs> stuff to people. Now I want you to say, turn to somebody next to you, and I want you to say, I am God's child. How, how easy is it for us to say to somebody, you're a child of God? It's super easy, isn't it? Yeah. If it's not, you need to work on that. Because that, <laughs> it's helpful for people to hear that. But to say, I am God's child, did anybody have trouble with that? Some of you may not have. Some of you may have. Because the idea that we are actually God's children and heirs of what it is that He is giving us is sometimes gets stuck in our throat because we find that our experiences don't lead up to that or what we think it should look like. So we wonder, why would God allow this? Why is this thing happening? Why is, what about this? And why doesn't God do this? And He's not very good at His job, frankly. Right? And so we think, how is it that He is somehow... My dad. How is it that somehow he's, he's in charge? Doesn't he see what's going on? And the answer actually is, um, yes, he does see, and yes, he does know, and yes, it does matter, and yes, you are his. And he's not standing by, capriciously waiting for you to figure something out. In his great grace and mercy, he is granted Jesus Christ, but also His Holy Spirit. He's poured it out upon us so that we might more properly relate to Him and to those around us. So He doesn't say, hey, welcome to a new set of laws. Welcome to a new set of rules. This is how this family behaves, so you better figure that out. He says, I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to give you everything you could ever imagine and need to be my child. Welcome to the family. Now there's long documented history about how hard it is for adopted children to orient to their new families. And some of you may have those stories and you may even be experiencing the pain of some of those stories. It's super hard for a child who's scared, maybe like one of those birds out in the night and in the cold, to figure out that they're okay. And I've watched as foster parents and adoptive parents have said over and over, you're okay. It's okay. You're loved. You're safe. You're secure. And still, the challenge is there. And I would say that every time we wander from Christ, we are no different. That God is speaking over us today and saying, it's, it's okay, I'm with you. You're a part of my family. Whatever you're experiencing, I understand. I'm with you, and it matters. I'm not leaving you alone, and you're not going to be stuck out in the snow. Ever. Ever. Why? Because He's the kind of God who will do what He did at Christmas. He's the kind of God who will come to us and he, he doesn't just wait around. He says, I am acting on your behalf immediately. And if all we wanted was for our circumstances to change, then we're in the wrong religion. You can do that on your own half the time. There's something so much more beautiful happening. 
You see, he's given us an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And the opportunity for us is to enjoy the inheritance that he's given to us now. I mean, I, I look at the celebrities who inherit things, you know, Paris Hilton, et cetera, et cetera. Right? And not one of them is living a life of poverty. I mean, I look at how they live and I think, goodness gracious. <sighs> they're, they're very wealthy people and they're doing everything they feel like doing. They're enjoying their inheritance now. And I look at Christians and I go, how come we're not? What is it about us that makes it hard for us to enjoy the inheritance that God has given us in this moment right here, right now? And I would venture to say that we get caught up in all of the trappings that the world has to give us and all of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And the call of God is is to recognize who He is and what He's done. So it's our job. It's, it's our job to partake of the fortune that He's given us. The peace and the joy that is what we experience on Christmas Eve, God willing, is there for us every single day of the year. It's our role to understand and experience what it means to live as children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it's His character to always show mercy. So this family that you're a part of by virtue of Jesus Christ, the dad isn't sitting there waiting to slap your hand. He's the one who loves us so deeply that He would come running to us. He sees our need for love and acceptance and forgiveness and grace and mercy and joy and purpose and meaning. And He meets it head on and He comes running to you and to me. Just like the prodigal son's father. Running to you and to me. Even when we don't understand. So may this first Sunday of Christmas and each day of Christmas find us full of wonder and joy, taking in all that it means to be Christ's own. And show the rest of the world who blindly flies into windows and who is dazed and confused and looking for hope. Let's, let's live in such a way that we show what it means to be loved and cherished by the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Amen.